I, I, am, I am so encouraged by uh, Jeff and Jamie's ministry. And, uh, you know, Jeff actually has been a part of this house longer than, than I have. Um, Jeff actually heard from the Lord that Jason, our associate, would be coming on staff, what, nine years before he came on? Um, he, had, he had seen a picture of that happening, and so he was very instrumental in uh, us recognizing what God was doing. But I think the thing that most encourages me about this dynamo of exhortation is, uh, is, that, is that Jeff is always the same man that you see. For those of you that have seen him in the hall and realized in that moment that you are indeed an awesome man or woman of God, um, there's, no, there's no downtime for this man. Um, he is an exhorter and an encourager, and uh, there isn't a hidden side of Pastor Jeff. And I, I think that speaks so much, really, to why Jeff's ministry continues to flourish is because he is a man after God's heart, and his greatest desire is to see everyone in his life win. And, uh, and sometimes he's willing to do that. Many times he'll do that at his own expense, but he's always exhorting. He's always encouraging. So if you ever are feeling down, just interrupt him. He barely does anything. He's got a really open schedule. And uh, just meet with him and have some coffee. But can we bring a warm and loud and honoring Christ Center welcome, Pastor Jeff Starr. Well, good morning, awesome friends of God. <laughs> I practice that over and over again. <laughs> um, you guys, it is great to be able to come and uh, be with all of you this morning. And before I begin, I, I really need to repent. You guys, I this morning just realized that I uh, just did the unpardonable sin of speaking in front of an audience. And that is this. First of all, I drank humongous amounts of the heavenly nectar this morning. And on top of that, I forgot to go to the bathroom before coming up here. So there are some good things with that, and there's some bad things with that. First of all, you might see me dance a little bit up here, but it does make me go a lot faster, too. So we'll get ahead. We'll, we got a lot to cover in a short amount of time, and so uh, we'll see how fast we can do this. The other thing that some of you guys know about, but maybe have never, others of you guys haven't heard about, is that um, actually I got this wonderful gift from the Lord. Yeah. It, you got my gift, too. <laughs> but um, I've got this gift of uh, a double-drainage system. The Lord actually blessed me with four kidneys. And so not only did I drink a lot of coffee, this, but it's also moving through my system about twice as fast as everybody else's coffee does. So um, again, we'll move, we'll move pretty quick this morning. And um, I'd like to, again, welcome uh, our friends and welcome guests and uh, our visitors this morning. You guys, it is such a wonderful blessing that you guys can come and join us this morning. And we are just so honored that you're here with us. And um, with that in mind, I want to kind of catch us up a little bit on where we're at because we're on a journey together. And I'm learning how to use this PowerPoint thing, so you guys forgive me. I, I was kind of reflecting back to my early years of when I was in college and having to take speech for the first time. And um, my PowerPoint then was a, a little acetate, a plastic acetate with an overhead projector, and you just slide your, your sheet of paper down as you went and then highlighted your points that way. And so I'm kind of learning the new ins and outs of this. But we're on a journey together, and it's a beautiful journey. Um, 
a journey that we're actually walking through the New Testament. And as we're walking through the New Testament together as well, we're uncovering some amazing treasures, kingdom treasures that the Lord has placed there for us. And the beautiful thing is that it's not just intended to be a treasure that we can, we can grab hold of and go, wow, look at this treasure, kind of like maybe a, a, a victory cup that we get sometimes when we go out and, and maybe uh, achieve something athletically or uh, whatever it might be and we place on a shelf. It's not that kind of treasure. It's really a, a treasure that we're intended to take and, and digest. Jason shared with us last week that Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the treasure. Feast on me. And this is, these, these treasures that we're in the process of uncovering are really treasures that are intended for us again to feast on, to see become the very core of our essence, to see them become really our very DNA because that's what God's design is for us. And so in this, as we begin to take these treasures and we begin to feast on them, you guys, we find that our lives begin to be transformed more and more and transformed in a very beautiful way into the very image of God, his very design for our lives. And I was so blessed this morning because as we were worshiping, it just seemed like all of our songs came right in alignment with this piece right here, just exhorting us in this very journey that we're on of discovery. But the cool thing is that it doesn't stop here, you guys. This is the amazing thing that hit me when I first gave my life to the Lord and I began to hang out with um, the people here at Christ Center. Because actually, I was up in Corvallis when I first gave my heart to the Lord. I came down here and met Pastor John, and, and John gave me a whole new perspective on life because the treasures that I would discover were really, I thought, for me and me alone. But then from that, the Lord began to show me through John and through others here at Christ and that, there, that there's an even greater place for these treasures to go. And these treasures are to really be shared with all those around us, that we're not to hoard the treasures to ourselves, but we're really to take those treasures, and as we go, we're to be giving them away to other people and sharing them, because as we do that, in the very plan of God, you guys, these treasures are really treasures that will save the world, that we can see the world around us saved, that we can see our community actually transformed in an amazing way. And so we've been on this journey of uncovering treasures that are for us to be transformed, but also for us to see our very community transformed as we get a chance to take them and put them into to motion in places around us. And it really hit me how um, what a blessing it is for the infinite being, the creator of the universe, to come to each one of us and actually extend an invitation for us to participate with him. Say, hey, come with me. I want you to do this with me. And so it's actually by invitation that we get a chance to participate in this. Such a beautiful thing. The most valuable being in all of existence, reaching out to each one of you and extending an invitation. Will you go with me on this journey of seeing the world saved. And last week, um, Jason uncovered an amazing treasure that really hit home with me, something I had never really thought about before in how he coined this, um, this neat treasure, and he called it the treasure of trades, that really the kingdom of God is a kingdom of trades. And I'd never really thought about this before, and as I reflected on it this week, it began to hit me in, in a new way, because I've grown up being in, a, in an organization called Youth with a Mission for many years, um, being involved in ministry, knowing the value of surrender. And I think all of us here have sometime in our life come to a place of really surrendering something, whether it be to the Lord or maybe just to another person, but we've, we've actually embarked on that journey of surrender, and it has great value because in surrender, a lot of times we find great freedom too. 
But whenever I think of surrender, a lot of times I think of giving something over, and a lot of times it, it has the perspective of maybe a void. I've laid something down, and now there's a void there. But the reality is this, you guys, that when God comes to us and he says, will you surrender this, he's really saying, will you trade me? God never asks us to surrender something to leave a void in our lives. He asks us to surrender because he has something of greater value that he wants to actually put in place of the very thing that we're surrendering. And how many of you guys like to trade up? In other words, you like to give something of lesser value to get something of greater value. You guys would be pretty stupid if we didn't do that. (laughs) But the reality is how many of us sometimes are confronted with that challenge of, you know what, God, I don't know if I want to trade though. I kind of like this thing. And yet he's saying, but I've got something of greater value for you. And in that moment, many of us, I think, are confronted with maybe a a mountain. You see this thing out there. You see this Jesus coming to us and saying, I want to make a trade with you. Will you surrender this so that I can give you something of greater value? And it becomes like a huge mountain that we have to ascend. And if you're like me, there have been times where I've come up to that mountain and I've actually found that, you know what, Jesus, that mountain's too great for me right now. And I actually turn around and I walk away. And I walk in a season of um, an agony of kind of defeat. I lose hope for a season. The beautiful thing is, is that Jesus never gives up on us, though. And even though we may not go up that mountain one day, he comes back the next day and he says, will you trade me again? And he comes with us and continually works with us to make that trade. Another area that I've been challenged with, though, too, as I was thinking about what Jason said last week in this kingdom of trades, is, um, is uh, it's not always difficult for me to go, yeah, Jesus, I want to totally trade you. I want to, yeah, you know, in, in the heat of the moment, I've been in like a, a service somewhere, and I'm like really excited, and I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm running to the altar. I'm going to go ahead and lay this down for the Lord, and I get up there, and I lay it down, and I fall on my face. I'm weeping, having this amazing time with the Lord, and I go home just feeling that great freedom that night, and then I wake up the next morning, and all of a sudden, I'm like, ooh, Man, I kind of missed that thing I gave away last night to Jesus. Uh, Jesus, um, can you trade me back? I really want that thing back again. And then I end up trading Jesus back and taking it back again. And in that moment, I even started up the mountain, got partway up it, and realized, oh, this mountain might be a little too hard for me. And so I turned around and walked back down it again, walking in the agony of defeat, unfortunately. But again, Jesus never gives up on us. He continues to encourage us and come back to us. Will you trade me? Will you trade me? I've got something of greater value. And this morning, I believe the treasure that the Lord has for us, and we're going to look at a story here in a little bit of a young man, a rich young ruler that many of you guys are reading about this week in in your reading. And I think in this story, there's actually three keys that we can glean from this story. Unfortunately, as many of you know, the rich young ruler didn't have a positive experience in the outcome. But we can, we can glean from people's mistakes sometimes. And so this morning, I've titled this lesson, or this treasure, Turning Mountains into Molehills. Okay, and if you're anything like I am, you guys, when I actually do achieve and conquer a mountain, get up there and I, I, I see that challenge, I work through it, Jesus and I, we climb that mountain, we get over that mountain, and I actually get past the mountain and I'm beginning to walk on in life. And I turn around and I look back, not in a bad sense, but kind of just reflecting back on my life. I look at what used to be this massive mountain, this huge challenge that I was facing, and all of a sudden I realize, oh my goodness, that's not much of a challenge anymore. In fact, you know what? 
it's gone from mountain into just a little molehill. And the thing I like about molehills, you guys, coming from Texas, we have uh, in my front yard and my backyard, guys, we had molehills everywhere. And one of my favorite things to do in the morning is I'd go out there and I'd see all the fresh molehills and I'd just run around and jump on them. Everywhere I'd go, just jump on all those molehills. And then I would take a Maris and Josiah out and have them jump on them with me. And so you'd see us jumping around our front yard in the morning because that's all a molehill is. Mountains seem insurmountable, but molehills can just crush them underneath your feet. You guys, I believe this is the heart of God for us, that even though we have these challenges set before us, as we conquer them with him, they simply become little molehills that aren't so much of a challenge anymore. And that's the hope that Jesus has for us as well, that even though at the moment it may seem huge, but in the long run it becomes just a little molehill. Another way to look at this is that it really is simply having a heart of victory. And as we have this heart of victory, we find ourselves overcoming that agony of defeat. And so I really believe this message isn't a message of maybe just mere conviction this morning. Though the Lord may stir something up in our hearts, but really what it is is it's a message of hope. Because I hate walking in defeat, you guys. I hate waking up in the morning and feeling defeated. I love waking up in the morning and knowing that today is a day of victory. Amen? Amen. And that's what Jesus has for us as he comes to us and wants to make that trade. And so um, if you guys could go ahead and hand those sheets out. I've got some uh, little sheets to hand out to you guys. It has some, um, a place for you to take some notes on. And so they're going to be passing these around to you. And there's a place on, on the front. The front side of it is uh, the side mountains and the molehills. Don't go exploring too much if you're like me. I'm like, I've got these dyslect or these, uh, these um, ADD eyes that just like to explore everything. And so I'm like looking all over the page and, ooh, what's this mean here? And my brain's thinking about all the different things. But just keep focus on the front for right now. And we'll, we'll look at the rest of it here in a little bit. And um, we're going to go ahead. And again, we're going to look at the life of the rich young ruler today. And before we actually look at the scripture and the, the story, I want to build a little bit of a background as to what may have been kind of taking place that led this rich young ruler to uh, coming to Jesus and making, at that time, I would suggest one of the greatest requests that maybe anybody had made to him. And so, um, looking at the rich young ruler and building a little bit of the backstory before we go on with him, First of all, number one thing we have to recognize is that he was young. And in Jewish culture, a lot of times, whenever they talk about someone young, they're talking about someone that may be in their late teens to maybe early 20s. And if some of you men out there may know or can identify with me, when I was in my late teens and early 20s, and unfortunately this never has left me, but you guys, I was a, a, an addict for adventure. You guys, I looked everywhere for adventure. I loved adventure. I was a, an adrenaline addict at that time. I was just shaking all the time, not because I was nervous, but because I just had so much adrenaline running through me. And I was just like, just ready for the next challenge that, that could come my way. And I had a bunch of buddies that reinforced that all the time. They were like making up different challenges for me to go on. And I would be out on these challenges together with these guys. But one of our favorite things to do was um, one of the greatest challenges that we liked was to go out and to explore. So we would find kind of strange new lands, you know, out there and, and um, new civilizations to boldly go where no man had gone before, you know. And we'd go out on these, on, on these adventures, these journeys to explore different places um, that we had never been to. And so we loved to travel. And, and I did have some comrades with me that, that had vehicles. I didn't have a vehicle at that time. So they could take me on these travels, and we'd go out and, um, and go exploring. So number one, we've got this young man who loves adventure. 
or possibly loves adventure. He's in a place looking for, um, for places he could even travel and explore. Number two, we know he's rich. He has a little financial backing, and so it's not too hard for him to actually travel as well. In fact, he probably had enough money he could travel the known world at that time, about the size of Oregon maybe. And so, um, you know, he had, he had some financial backing. Number, the, the third thing then, too, that he had going for him at that time, um, at least from as we read the story, it seems like he doesn't have any kind of ties or commitments that would hold him back. In other words, he didn't have, doesn't talk about a family at that point. He doesn't have any kids or anything like that that would kind of hold him in one place. He really had some freedom, in other words, to be able to go out and explore. And so you've got, first of all, a young man who's looking for adventure. He has a lot of money available to him and nothing holding him back. And then on top of that, the stories are flying around of another gentleman, Jesus of Nazareth, performing amazing miracles. And on top of that, some people even theorizing that maybe this could possibly be the Messiah that all of us grew up hearing about and now is the time. And so a drawing force for this young man to go on an adventure to find Jesus, or at least to find out what's going on. And so um, he sets out on this journey, and let's join him here. If Twitter had existed back in those days, I believe this might be some of the things that he would, he would tweet back to us as he goes. Okay, first one. He's out on his journey, and he approaches the crowd the first day. And we, he, we, we see this beautiful little tweet pop up. I found him today, the one everyone is talking about. A lot of people, though. I'm really curious what's going on. And so he meets up with Jesus. He sees the crowd, and curiosity begins to stir within him. And so he joins the crowds. A couple days later, we see this pop up on his feed. Thousands of people today. Oh, my goodness, I can't believe it. And he fed us all. Whoa! With only two loaves of bread and two fish. Can you believe it? And I had seconds. <laughs> and so he begins to see the miracles of God as well, or of, of Jesus being performed. A few days later, this pops up. Amazing today. Ten lepers called to him from afar for healing. And you know what? We were a little bit scared, though. We don't want to get leprosy. And, so, uh, and then they ran away. Seemingly filled with great excitement. We were like, what's going on here? And then all of a sudden, one returned completely healed. Woohoo! Thanking him. Wow, what a powerful thing. And so he begins to see the miracles of Jesus taking place. And he's, he's in awe. But as his journey goes on, we begin to see the tweets change a little bit. More healings, awesome. But still his kindness and his love, the gentleness of his eyes, there is something more with him. Amazing words he speaks with great authority and his genuine kindness. A shift. A shift maybe a little bit from the miraculous to the person of Jesus. A new drawing force like he hadn't seen before. Wow, today he raised a man from the dead. Jesus raised a man from the dead. Unbelievable. He sees more miracles taking place. But we also see a continued change in his perspective. Something is stirring in my heart. His genuine kindness, love, and caring for everyone. Even welcoming little children to himself today. I feel a drawing and a yearning to be with him. To be close to him. A shift. 
still in awe of the amazing miracles that were going on, but he begins to see something different. He begins to see the person of Jesus. And then, finally, the last day. Today is the day. My heart is burning. I want to be with him. It is stirring within me. Today, I'm going to him. I'm going to him. Yes, I'm going to him right now. I can't wait any longer. And this is where we join our story. Because at this moment, I believe, he's seeing Jesus there, and it's been burning in his heart. The crowds are there. Jesus is actually getting ready to leave. And he begins to push his way, you guys, through the crowds to get to him as, as fast as he can. And then he finds himself face-to-face with Jesus. And here's where the narrative, be- the, the narrative begins. And hopefully I can see this. As Jesus was setting out on a journey, can you guys read that? <laughs> Uh, I'll read it to you. (laughs) As Jesus was setting out on a journey, a young man ran up to him and knelt before him, knelt down before him, and made an amazing request. Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit life eternal? Now let's put ourselves in Jesus' shoes just for a quick second. Now, prior to this time, as far as we know, most of the requests have been more for temporal things, and in the beautiful compassion of Jesus' heart and wanting to express the heart of his Father, he meets those needs. But all of a sudden, can you imagine the joy set before Jesus when all of a sudden he has now a young man that runs up to him and has a brand new request? He requests the eternal. He requests life, the very thing that Jesus came to give us in its fullness. And here's a brand new request. And Jesus is like, yeah, you got it. I want to give it to you. And he wants to meet that request. And so Jesus goes on then to kind of give him the, the, um, the, uh, the, the, the keys to help him meet that. First of all, he says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Uh, and if anybody wants to talk about that, I'd love to talk to you about that. I feel like the Lord kind of gave a really cool revelation of that as I've been looking at this scripture. But we don't want to focus on that part right now. That is an amazing piece that's there. But um, uh, then Jesus goes on to tell him this. Um, you know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Um, and honor your father and mother. Now let's put ourselves in the young man's shoes He's made this request. Jesus is kind of laying out this exhortation of how to actually inherit life eternal. And the young man's going, I, I did that one. Oh, and I did that one. And wow, I did that one. And you, I, th- I did that. Jesus, I did all these things. And Jesus looks at him. And I think Jesus saw the excitement in his eyes. This young man is so excited to be with Jesus. Jesus sees the excitement in his eyes. And, he sa- and it says that, Excuse me, I'm getting a little bit teared up up here. He says this, um, looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him. He identified with him. He saw this young man's desire in his heart to really want this life, life eternal. And then he goes on, and in order to honor the request, Jesus says then, will you trade me? Will you make the trade? One thing you lack, go and sell all you possess, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. But at these words, he was saddened, and he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. 
He came all the way to the mountain, you guys. He came all the way up to the point of making the trade. The victory was in his hands. And then all of a sudden he turned away and walked in the agony of defeat. And this morning, again, I want to give you guys three keys I believe we can glean from this story that will help us overcome or achieve or conquer the mountains. Three keys that we can use to turn mountains into molehills that we can learn from them. And the first key is this. We need to know that we can trust him. The young man was tested in the area of trust. Will you trust me and go and sell all your possessions. Will you trust me? And you guys, we need to trust him. And I was thinking about this aspect of trust, and I've grown up all my life knowing in my head, well, of course, obviously I should trust God. That's what everybody's always told me. Of course, I need to trust God. But why should I trust him? Is there anybody here that's ever maybe contemplated that question before? I know I have. Why should I trust Jesus? Anybody else here? A little bit. And I believe that there's a very viable reason why we can put our complete trust in him. And that's this. I kind of thought this through a little bit, and I thought about all the people that I was able to place my trust in over the years. Like, who are those really significant individuals that I put my complete trust in? And um, as I reflected on that, I found two characteristics. And I want to tell you a little bit about uh, a dear man that spoke so much into my life by the name of Coach Price, but unfortunately we don't have time to do that. So let me just give you these two keys, and I think you guys might be able to actually understand these as well. But the two characteristics that I saw that really helped me establish trust is, first of all, those people that I really trusted in, I realized that they had more wisdom than me. They really knew a lot more than I did. They had a really good understanding from life experiences. And my friend, Coach Price, he was the oldest teacher that we had at, um, at Highland View Middle School and um, a man of great wisdom. But you know what? It didn't stop with his wisdom alone. What allowed me to put my trust in Coach Price was this, that he also loved me. And he loved me so much that he wanted to see me succeed. In fact, he was willing to lay down everything. He did so much to help me succeed in life. He bent over backwards and sacrificed himself to help me succeed, and not only me succeed, but to help all the students succeed. And you guys, if Coach Price can do that, how much more does Jesus do that as well? You guys, Jesus knows more and he loves more. He loves you so much and he wants to see you succeed more than anybody else, any other being in all of existence. And he really believes in you and knows that you can succeed. And so he knows how to help you succeed and he knows, um, and he has that desire to go whatever it takes to see you succeed and experience life in its fullness. And so we, in all honesty, have no reason to have anything less than the full trust for him and to place our trust in him. We need to trust him even if we can't see the end outcome. Number two, real quick here. Uh, The outcome is worth the cost. First of all, we need to be able to trust him, but then also, if you notice what happened with the young man, what did he do? He was so excited about the outcome. The outcome was life, life eternal, but then all of a sudden, when Jesus said, will you make the trade, he took his eyes off the outcome and placed them on the cost, and he couldn't get his eyes off the cost, and he left in the agony of defeat. You guys, we can't focus on the on the cost, we need to focus on the outcome. And um, a real quick story that illustrates this, 
uh, I had just come back from my discipleship training school with Youth of the Mission. I had about a month uh, between my schools where um, I was uh, going through a time of reflection, and the Lord was really showing me this idea of the outcome is worth the cost, and that um, surrender, that there was something of greater value that he had for me. And so in this season, um, also, uh, uh, he would speak to me through some of the coolest means, and one of the greatest ways that he would speak to me was through my dog, Maddie. Maddie and I were best friends, you guys. We had, we had so much fun. We'd go for runs together, and, and then um, we would you know, play together, and one of our favorite things to do was to eat together, and, and uh, I would always go to McDonald's because that was one of my big fascinations, and so I'd go and buy six quarter pounds of cheese for me, and I'd buy her two at the same time, and we'd share the feast together. Guys, I can put down a lot of quarter pounders, so anybody want to take me on, I'll be glad to take you on after church today. Um, but in that, you guys, uh, so I just got back from my discipleship training school. I was, um, I, I had gone up to my parents' house, and my mom that evening had made this amazing home-cooked meal. I hadn't had one for six months, and then my mom and dad had to go out for the evening, so it was just Maddie and I, so I fixed up this huge plate of food and came walking out in the living room and set it down, and then Maddie came trucking up alongside of me with great anticipation of the, the food that she was going to get from me because we would share this food together. And so, um, so I sat down, and then she sat down next to me. You know how dogs did on their hiney? You know, they sit down. And then she's so excited. I don't know if you guys have seen this before, but how dogs do that little kind of prance thing with their paws. She's just sitting there with a big smile on her face, you know, kind of going like this with her paws. And, um, and then she would focus, not on me, she was focusing on my spoon, and she would watch my spoon go into the food, and then she would watch it go all the way to my mouth. And then as soon as it went in my mouth, she'd be back on that food again, anticipating that hopefully Jeff is gonna give me that next spoonful. So that day I went ahead and I ate the whole plate of food, and um, I finished the plate of food off, and uh, poor Maddie didn't get any along the road. But the other thing that I would do is I would always give her my plate afterwards. Don't tell my parents this. I would always give her the plate afterwards, and she would clean the plate. You guys, she would clean it better than any dishwasher. I could just take it and put it back up in the cupboards after I was done because it was so clean. I mean, you could hold it up and, like, see yourself, your reflection, and fix your hair because it was so beautiful. So I gave Maddie the plate, and I did something I'd never done before. I told her to stay. And you guys, she sat there so obedient, did not move a muscle, and stared at that plate. And I was in awe of her obedience because I knew that she wanted it. And so I decided to go over and kind of do the Charlie Brown scratch Snoopy's head thing. And so I started scratching her head a little bit. And as I was doing that, I began to see uh, Maddie's eyes leave the plate and with this evil glare look up at me and go, Jeff, I want the food now. Okay, and so I'm, I, I kind of looked at that glare and I just kept scratching her head with a big smile on my face. And as I did that, you guys, it was amazing. I began to see her eyes leave the plate and look at me more and more until finally her eyes completely left the plate. She came over and she set her head on my lap and began to receive my love. And that was all that mattered to her. And the Lord said to me, Jeff, this is what I intend when you surrender to take your eyes off of the things that seem so valuable and place them on me because I have something of greater value for you in the very love that I have to pour out on you and myself. And I thought, God, this is amazing. Virtually tears in my eyes. And at that moment, I said, okay, Maddie, you can eat. And what she did at that moment almost knocked me out of my chair. She lifted her head up, came over, put her hand underneath my put her head underneath my hand, lifted my hand back up, and nudged my hand back on top of her head and laid her head in my lap and didn't even worry about that food anymore. All she wanted was simply me. 
and the love that I could pour out on her. And you know what? She got the food too. I did give her the food, but that wasn't of any value to her anymore except to just simply live life. (laughs) And you guys, that's what it means to recognize that the outcome is worth the cost, to remember the outcome, to keep our eyes focused on that and not to focus on the cost. Okay, so real quickly here, again, we can trust him in conquering these mountains and the outcome is worth the cost. Don't focus on the cost, focus on him. And then the last piece here comes in what, um, uh, that when Jesus said, I want you to go and lay these things down, I want you to make this trade with me, he didn't just tell the rich man to go and sell everything and then just go on with life. He told him to come back and follow me. You see, the third item is that we must go with him then, too, in the journey. I found that the reason that I have a hard time conquering my mountains is because I can do it myself. I can go up there, I can conquer this thing, and God, I don't even, well, God, I, I, I do love you, but you know what, I can do this, God. You're gonna be proud of me because I can do it all by myself. And you know what, it's never God's design for us to do it, do it ourselves. He wants us to go with him and not to do it on our own. And Jesus invited the young man then. He said, sell everything, but now come and go with me. So in conquering mountains, turning them into molehills, We need to first of all trust him and we need to have confidence that we can trust him. We need to remember that the outcome is worth the cost and that we must go with him and not try to do it on our own. And uh, on your sheet at the bottom, I was gonna have us do a little bit of worship here to kind of wrap things up, but I I don't know if we'll have time for that this morning. So um, what I'd like to invite you guys to do is, is twofold. Um, number one, I want you to go ahead and turn your sheet over. On the back of that sheet, I've given you a resource there. I'd like to ask you this week, as you guys are doing your reading, take some time and reflect on these different characteristics of who God is. This is what helps me in growing in my trust and maintaining my confidence in God. I look at these things, and this is the person of Jesus. This is what the rich young ruler saw when he was there that began to make the shift. Look at these definitions this week and reflect on them a little bit. Now, they're very heavy definitions. There's a lot in there, so you know, take some time and don't rush through them, but just let the Lord kind of stir up in your heart something fresh and new that he might want to reveal of himself to you that will actually enhance your trust in him. Know who he is. Know him for who he is because we really can trust him. And then the other thing I'd like to ask us to do this week then is at the bottom of your sheet, um, on the other side, on the first side, the one where you're taking notes on, at the bottom of the sheet there, I've made a list of maybe some mountains that Jesus would come and say, I want you to make a trade with me. And I'd like us in our quality time with the Lord this week to just open our hearts and ask the Lord, God, is there... um, Is there anything that you would ask me to trade? And then in that, as he might stir something up in your heart, come back to him and say, you know what, Jesus, I want to make this trade, but I need to trust you. Help me to trust you. And Jesus, help me to focus on the outcome. Help me to remember that you are my outcome, Jesus. And then help me to go with you in this process that I can conquer this mountain. And here's why I ask you guys to do this. Not only for you, you're going to walk in freedom, but we talked about at the beginning that also the treasures that we uncover are really treasures that will save the world. 
And as you walk in victory, as you begin to conquer mountains, then it will enable you also to grab the hand of someone else and say, come with me and conquer this mountain with me as well. And you can lead other people into victory as well. And so the victory is for you and the victory is for others around us that we may see the world saved. Amen? That was a good word right there. Come on. Thank you, Jeff. That was awesome. Well, listen, um, I am looking forward to meeting uh, several of you that I haven't got to meet today. I'm going to be back at that table in about two minutes. I want to ask the prayer servant team to come up. If there's anyone here who needs prayer.